Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What you need to know brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort, Resort and Spa. Good times, less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. All right, guys, so the city of Long Beach has temporarily closed the beaches heading into the warm weekend after, get this, a sewage spill dumped 250,000 gallons of waste into the L.A. River. An equipment malfunction created a blockage in the sewage treatment system yesterday morning, causing wastewater to overflow into the streets, and it took about two hours for everything to get cleared up, but not before massive amounts of waste had spilled into the river, which flows into the Pacific Ocean in Long Beach. So Oof. you can't swim in Long Beach, oh. any of the beaches this weekend, but you probably don't want to. So that's what you need to know. I, I thought you were going to say something cool, like they closed because of like giant sharks or something. Like there was like a, a Jaws thing. No, nothing, nothing cool much, like sharks. This is much worse. I mean, I, I pretty disgusting. Gross. I guess the upside is I'm not sure what more you can do to the L.A. River. <laughs> like, it's pretty much spent. At this I always point. worry about people who are already in the water when it got there. Like, you're just out for a swim or like an early morning surf or something. Like that. Oh, my God. I mean, look, if you were in Long Beach or something like that, like, I genuinely feel for you. There's no way to avoid that. If you're swimming in the L.A. River or even just standing. No, no, no. Whatever, I just meant the per- you're, if you're in the river, that's your problem. If you're in yeah, just, that's, you're just minding yeah. your own business in the ocean. Oof. Yeah, because the the river flows directly into the ocean over there. Wrong so like you place, don't even have to be time. in the actual river. Oof. Oh, that's oh, a tough. That's a tough draw. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, tough draw. That is absolutely mm. disgusting. Imagine. Any idea, Lindsay? Do they say how long it's going to take before it feels all safe to get in? Whatever they say, well, give it another no, day or two. No, but my guess is probably a couple days because yeah, usually when they have like high levels of like after there's a big storm, sometimes they, they'll close like the marina. Over here in um, Mother's Beach, they'll close the marina water and say you can't swim in it because of bacteria levels. Mm-hmm. And that usually takes like two days. So I'm assuming with like actual like waste being dumped in, it will probably take a couple how many, days. How many tons? How many? How much? How much? 250,000. So 250,000 gallons, gallons. Of, of waste mm-hmm. go in there. The authorities say three days. How many days do you give it? <laughs> three years. Three weeks. Um, yeah. Five I would, months. I, years. Yeah. yeah. Imagine. Next month. Yeah, like yep. if you're you, like Brian, you're in there, right? You're swimming. Uh huh. And then <laughs> imagine other stuff is swimming right next to you. Would you just be like cap and be like, no? What an unfortunate well, you, moment. Right. Find <laughs> <in."> <laughs> what a time to be alive. I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if the person saying it's all safe is wearing anything with like Long Beach on it, like you know, uh-huh. like Long Beach Beach Association or some bar in Long Beach, like hell no. They have three eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! And a and gills, Ooh. and a tail. <laughs> absolutely, just oh. revolting. Mm. Oof! All right, so so there's nothing else we need. That was the only. Is thing that we all we know. need to know? Just to make sure. Yep, that's all you need to know. Okay, I mean, that, that, for now. No disrespect. No, I mean that was like a really important thing to know. <laughs> no, that I feel was, like it is. Like if you're especially because it's going to be hot this weekend and you want to go swimming, don't go to Long Beach. No, that was it. Was really 
gross and depressing. Absolutely. I'm glad I know it. What You Need to Know brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Sorry to drag them into this. <laughs> Good times, less than 90 minutes oh. from wherever you are. Laura just did a spit take. <laughs> Tell you where you won't find 250,000 gallons of waste spilled out onto the casino floor. Morongo. No, <laughs> no, they don't do that there. It's a great, good as time as any to let people know it's not located anywhere near nope, Long Beach. Far away. <laughs> it is. And it's super clean. It might as well be in a different city, Morongo, if than Long Beach. If you use the facilities at Morongo, that stuff is not going to be bugging you anytime soon. No. Mm -mm. You're fine. No. All right, we turned this around. Yeah. I actually did Morongo. You're welcome, Morongo. Um, okay, so a lot of people are upset, Brian, right now with the with the NBA playoffs and the flagrance and the ejections, you had uh, the Sixers first Joel Embiid uh, kicking Nick Claxton in the in the junk uh, in the nether regions. As he was on the ground, he took exception to Claxton stepping over him. He only got a flagrant, but then James Harden ends up right sort of pushing out with his arm into Royce O'Neal's nether regions. And it seemed at that point, it was a lesser deal, but it seemed like it at that point- was actually a little bit of debate as to whether or not he got him in his uh, private areas, as James Harden called it. But like there was, there was, some, there was some confusion over that. Well, I'm going to need a different source on this than Harden. He, seemed, <laughs> he seems biased. <laughs> Do you think, though, like you, we're hearing, I mean, you know, if you ever listen to Mason Ireland, John talks about this at least once a show- that the refs are getting too quick to call a flagrant, too quick to eject someone, that the league is, you know, in the case of Draymond Green, too quick to suspend somebody. For what it's worth, Harden and Embiid face no further discipline. They will be available for game four. Does it feel to you at all like the league is getting more trigger happy? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I am, I'm more sympathetic to referee. I think this is the, the, an impossible game to officiate. These guys are too big, too fast, too strong, and the the court isn't getting any bigger while the athletes are getting bigger and faster. It's like everything, and, and it's wide open now. And I just think everything about it is, you know, and, and, and there's really no pleasing people. If you let them play too much, you know, you're you're opening yourself up to the the conspiracy theories that somehow the league is trying to, to get the Sacramento Kings in deeper into the playoffs than the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Right. Um, think that through, conspiracy theorists. No. But they, you know, Draymond needed to get thrown out of that game. Should he have been suspended? I would have suspended him, but... I could see the argument against him that the, the being ejected is the punishment. We can leave it there and move on. Um, you know, Embiid probably shouldn't have been thrown or should have been thrown out, should have gotten a flagrant too. But if you miss it, you can't give the other guy a flagrant. So I, you know, that happens periodically. Tony Brothers, I think, was the, the official there. He's pretty good. Like, you don't hear a lot of people complaining about him. Actually, The Athletic did an anonymous player poll. Um, asking a bunch of different questions like who's the best player, most mm -hmm. overrated, most trash talking. A lot of Grizzlies showed up in that one. I'm sure. But they asked players who was the best referee and the worst referee. I believe Tony Brothers was first for best and either first or second for worst. So there's some disagreement. Right, but I'm just saying... It, it, the more, the more these guys spend time around all these right. refs... they'll find something. Well, but also, the more everybody's going to get sick of each other. Yeah. I... 
I, I think they blew the the play with. I mean, fortunately, none of these things have really materially impacted the series yet. You know, yes, I guess Brooklyn could have won if Embiid had been out, but like Brooklyn's not going to win that series. Nobody thinks that. Um, and the Warriors won the game without Draymond, so that's two to one as it should be, and everybody can move on with their lives at this point. I just, I, I don't. The problem with the NBA isn't that I think that the officiating is bad or that it's gotten worse because I don't think it has. I think officiating is just as bad as it was ten years ago, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago. It's just as good as it was twenty. All of it is the same. It's the game has gotten really harder to officiate, and we have the benefit of seeing every replay from every angle blasted out on social media and all these other things. And like, you know, we want them to be perfect, but we also don't want the games to be slowed down. We don't want everything reviewed. We don't. It's like pick a lane. Well, I, I was also thinking about this too. Like the idea of has have the refs been interfering more? Has the league been more punishment heavy? And I was thinking about like the two thousand six playoffs where I, I Raja Bell I believe got suspended at least one game remember when he horse collared Kobe oh right right um you know that that was obviously it was egregious he should have been suspended but you could have found a generation of fans or players who would have said you know Kurt Kurt Rambis got clotheslined by McHale and that was just a two two shot foul like what are they calling you had that later on the Suns and the Spurs when Robert Ory hip checked Steve Nash into the table and Ori got suspended, but also too, Amari Stoudemire and Boris Dia stepped off the bench, like literally two steps. Right. And they got suspended a game because they violated the right. letter of the law, which was like a year removed from Malice at the Palace. So you know that the league was all over that stuff. But that was an insane suspension. Right. And there are the the parts that bug me are when the referees make the, like you get the impression that like the call is like, turns it into the referee show, make a call, miss a call, whatever. It's like, it's the really ticky tack stuff that I think frustrates people, disrupts the action, all that kind of stuff. Like I, that it's not about you. When the referee makes it, but Joey Crawford had a problem with this. You know, people who kind of remember you know, 90s era, you know, 2000s, 2010 era NBA. Like Joey Crawford had a tendency to make the game about him, where he was a character in the in the in the story. He was the Dylan Brooks of referees. Yes. The story is like is not about the referee. The referee should be not you should not know the names of the referees in the game. No. Like if you have to, if you end up remembering who refereed a game, it's probably because they did something that they shouldn't have. You know, if you don't remember who did it, everybody did their job. Like that, that's how it is to me. Like, don't make yourself the central character. Make a call, miss a call. It's impossible to be a hundred percent consistent. These guys again, too big, too fast, too strong, too everything. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Doc Rivers was complaining. That's weird. I, I know that never happens. He doesn't do that. No, no, not at all. But uh, he was complaining in. I don't know if it was a post game presser or a post practice presser. But basically saying that you got to stop penalizing, you got to stop penalizing the guys who react and rewarding the instigators. Like he was talking about, for example, Demontis Sabonis first grabs Draymond Green's ankle. He is the way Doc is framing this, instigating it. Draymond reacts. Draymond ends up punished more. 
It's leaving out the part that Draymond did stomped it. on him. Well, and also too, like started and you know basically celebrating yes. what he did, you know, with the crowd doing all of that. I mean, there's there's a lot of extra going on with Draymond, but also talking about like Claxton stepping over Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid reacts. He kicks up, kicks Claxton in the Netherlands, ne- Nether regions, <laughs> and. You know the idea. I bet they call him that in the Netherlands. Like if you do. go to Amsterdam and you got and you kick somebody in their junk, mm-hmm. they probably say, "I got kicked in the Netherlands." Well, I was going to say the flips. I understand where Doc is coming from in the sense that you want to make sure that these things are equally rationed out. Mm-hmm. The flip side of that argument, though, is tell your players stop hitting guys in the junk. Like there, there is a solution to this. Right. Like at some point, players do have to be accountable. Don't put your foot there. Right. Like. You can avoid that. And Draymond knows. Like Draymond knows that too. Don't put your foot there either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Draymond had it'd be one thing if Draymond had stomped on Sabonis because he was trying to get his foot free. And that was like the only thing he could do was to stomp with Sabonis's hands still around his ankle. Mm-hmm. That's how he frees himself. His foot was freed at that point. Right. The the Warriors fans uh coming to his defense were saying, like, you know, he was trying to get it, he sort of didn't have his balance, he didn't have everywhere to put it. He stomped on him. Yeah, he stomped on him he, happily because he was mad because he was holding right. on to his and, foot. And Draymond has a history of dirty play. Draymond didn't even really deny it like, no. in any meaningful way. No, no. He, <laughs> Draymond's proud of him. He said the other guy deserved it. But you know what? They went back and they gave Sabonis a tee for that. Yeah, they they did. You could argue that Sabonis deserved a flagrant for it. Like, okay. I, I get it. But the idea that these were equal things no. or that all these things are equal, no. And Doc, just stop complaining. Yeah. Stop. Okay, coming up, some breaking news about the NBA playoffs. Ooh. Oh. That indirectly, oh. if things go well for the Lakers, could affect them. Talk about that coming up next. Kamenetsky Brothers in for the guys, ESPN LA. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Just a memory of your face. Brian, your face. Years ago, some guy thought the man who wrote this song refused to give him change. Yep. You. <laughs> I need a lot of change He thought to you give were Phil Collins. The success of this song. He thought you were Phil Collins. Phil Collins put out banger after banger after banger back in the day. Dude. All of them. Yep. Phil Collins kind of owned the 80s. 
and now I cannot associate him with anything other than American Psycho <laughs> and Patrick Bateman explaining mm-hmm. Phil Collins yeah. and the scene that I don't think we can talk about on these airwaves. No. No, no you cannot. Dark film. No. Dark film. No. Laura's like, there's only so much I can believe. I can, yeah, right, yeah. There's, just, there's just, only it's, so much you know, dumping. Yeah. FF Friday, you know? It involves a man and two ladies. We'll leave it at that. But that's all... So I mean, I that, that, is, that is a very broad. generic, broad mm-hmm. complaint about what Patrick Bateman does. No, I, I'm not complaining, approving, disapproving. I'm just saying that's all I can say about the scene. Yeah. Uh, by the way, too, we, we heard that it's in, uh, National Pet CBD Day. Seriously asking this and hit me up on Twitter, at Cam Brothers. Does anybody have any experience with giving their pets CBD specifically to calm them down yes. does it work does it actually work because yes. our pit bull mix needs some calming down and no matter how much they train him to use a bong he can't because <laughs> they've tried so i st- my, i have a little chi like she's like five pounds mm-hmm. and she was rescue so she was having a lot of issues um especially when we would try to like cut her nails and stuff like that and my boyfriend's mom, they have uh, little Frenchies, and she has issues. She gave me, I will share the, the stuff with you, and it works amazing. Yeah, he- Amazing. We've come to learn this, and he's he's an awesome dog, uh, Bobo. We've talked about him before. He looks like James Garner. See, no, see, he, doesn't, he does look like James Garner, but I guess James Garner to me, like I like photographs of Bobo. Maybe you can send one out, because in every photograph of Bobo, he looks like a president from 1842. <laughs> he does. Like very- you gave him like a stiff high collar and some sideburns. He could be Franklin Pierce. <laughs> but this dog- like, Pit bulls, we learned this, are apparently quite uh, separation anxiety prone. They really hate being away from their owners, like even just out of sight of their owners. Like if we leave a room and Bobo's by himself, he will just start freaking out and we need to calm him down. He's a good boy, but he needs to be calmed down. So again, at Cam Brothers, if you have any experience with either pet CBD or other stuff that calms a pet down please let me know because soliciting some advice breaking news that obviously affects the nba brian but affects the lakers perhaps indirectly down the road Mm -hmm. according to sham shirani and i double checked it's the actual shams he does not have a check mark but it unless the uh imposter also has two million followers it's shams kudos to the imposter (laughs) Kawhi leonard out for game four Against the and, Suns. of course, Paul George won't play in the series. So, I mean, look, it's a shame because a healthy Clippers team with Kawhi, with Paul George, um, because that when those guys are on the floor, that, that is a really good team. Really good. And I think had a, a, a real chance to beat Booker and, and KD in that series, in the Suns. Like, a real – but no, they don't anymore because they're going to they, – they're – probably going to lose again and they put up a spirited effort in game three but they're not good enough without those guys and it's just a injuries wrecking a playoff series the other part of that though and yeah you're right i mean that is a really good team and we talked earlier about how the clippers have made i think a lot of really good moves they're well run that that roster is smartly constructed and they may end up with absolutely nothing to show for this time and Mm -hmm. investment But also, too, if you believe in the Lakers' ability to take control of this series, 
advance, you know, beat either Golden State, who they've had a lot of success against this yep. year, or Sacramento, who, if nothing else, they have playoff experience over. The Clippers are the one team in the league, or in the West, I should say, that I really don't think the Lakers can beat. They are a I mean, br- they are so. they are a brutal matchup for the Lakers. Like I don't even know if they're the best team in the West, but I think they are the absolute worst matchup for the Lakers of any of the playoff teams by far. I mean, it's hard to argue just because it's eleven straight games, right? I mean. I think there's, you know, circumstances. Sometimes the Lakers didn't have a very good team available, and sometimes LeBron plays and AD plays, and sometimes it doesn't, whatever. But it like, doesn't seem to matter what the combination of players available is. Um, he, they, they lose, and they generally lose by a lot. <laughs> well, like, the, like the, they're occasionally they're close, but not usually. When you think about it, though, like. As far as the matchup, it's obvious why it's so bad. When they're at full strength, you have two elite wing, not just defenders, but scorers in Kawhi and Paul George that the Lakers either have to hope like Jared Vanderbilt or Austin Reeves can be credible against, or you have to put LeBron on one of those guys, which is more taxing than you want for LeBron, or Mm -hmm. you have to put Anthony Davis on one of those guys, which means A, you're pulling Anthony Davis away from the back line of your defense, and you still have to account for Avica Zubats. He's too good to ignore. Yeah, it's, it's, They're a, brutal it's a bad matchup. matchup. It's for, a bad matchup, you know, like you say, for all those reasons that you mentioned. Yeah. But I mean, look, the thing about it is, like, the Lakers, in addition, like, I don't, Golden State is Golden State if they get through this series, and you really have to take, first of all, they'd have home court advantage over the Lakers. So, um, you know, the, the major advantage that any team would have this year is that the Warriors are so bad on the road. That if you have the extra home game, you have a real advantage. The Lakers wouldn't have that, but um, you know you'd certainly rather be in the Warriors Kings side of the bracket than the Suns Nuggets side. I mean, I don't think there's I don't think anybody would debate that. Yeah, and, and look, I want to make it clear: as much as I think this could, if the Lakers actually manage to advance a round or two, be beneficial for them in terms of pure matchup. I don't want to see Kawhi Leonard hurt. I don't want to see Paul George hurt. I want to see basketball at its best, and you, you never root for injury, period. Mm-hmm. That's just bad karma, bad, frankly, bad person. But thinking about this purely from a basketball perspective, if the Clippers got eliminated beyond the LOL factor it's going to have for a lot of Laker fans, you know that whole deal, it is actually better for the Lakers, I think, if you, if you are confident about their ability to stay alive in the playoffs for a while. Clippers are just... They're the worst. You wonder, too, like, where do you go from here if you're the Clippers? Nowhere. There's nowhere to go. You keep running it back. This is the this is the choice that they have made. You can kind of work around the edges, and you can – but, like, when people talk about – I don't know if load management is something that would have helped if or whatever, but, like – They load manage the hell out of Kawhi. And, and I mean, if you even want to call it I, that. Right, they, but, like, when you talk about why guys take off and why, you know, medical staffs – try to preserve every half percentage point of potential risk and whatever it is, it's because you can play 70 games, 80, you know, you'll have a guy play 60 games, 70 games, 80 games, 30 games, 40 games, whatever, all with the idea of trying to get them, you know, able to play the playoffs. And 
one guy gets hurt, you get the wrong injury at the wrong time, you exacerbate something that's been bugging somebody, whatever it is, or the strain builds up over time, like, and you're done. Like, you're done. Your entire season is done. Your entire payroll is done. Everything is done. And I don't blame teams, and I don't blame players for prioritizing this time of year over other games. And it's it's unfortunate for fans who kind of get screwed there. But this is, like, the Clippers are the the cautionary tale for all of this. The crazy part, too, for them, and what has to be so incredibly frustrating is they took all these steps mm-hmm. with Kawhi, yep. and it seemed like they had him back because that dude was destroying over the last couple months. Like, you looked at him. The way he was playing was like, he might actually, actually be able to take down Booker and KD himself. By himself. And I mean, generally speaking, when Kawhi has been able to play, he's been Kawhi. He just can't play enough. And it's a chronic thing now. And this this is why, you know, going out and you know throwing max contracts at guys who get into their 30s and stuff like that is dumb. You know, I think you can make certain exceptions for, I think maybe you put Kawhi in that list up until maybe this year, you, you might take him off, but Kevin Durant. Um, you know, Giannis, you know, if he, when he gets that, like there are certain players who are probably good enough that you typically, like, if you're not one of those two, three, four guys who are just transcendent, no, you can't because it only gets worse and you're, it's a crapshoot every year as to whether or not you can, you know, if, cause next year they could run it back. And if the Clippers are healthy at the right time, they could win a title. Well, I mean, this is this is the question. The that, Lakers have been, yes. Yeah, I mean, the, the Lakers have obviously been rolling the dice and hoping, you know, they're hoping right now that they finally catch some breaks in terms of being able to keep the guys on the court that matter. But to your point, you absolutely never know. All right, coming up next, a little Radio Tinder. Ooh. Have you played this? I have, but I always get confused if, I, if I'm swiping left or right. Everybody well, does. We yeah. all get confused. Lindsay always reminds us how to do it, and that is coming up next. Kamenetsky Brothers in for the guys, ESPN LA. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This song, the opening to Train Spotting, mm-hmm. it's the best opening to any movie ever. Yeah, it's really good. It's like the best opening 10 minutes of any movie. It's absolutely incredible. It is a Lakers playoff Friday on 710 ESPN, getting you pumped for what's on tap for tomorrow's night's game, Lakers versus Grizzlies, presented by Michelob Ultra, a refreshing and balanced flavor with only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. Michelob Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Please enjoy responsibly. Do we have DeMichael? DeMichael Cole 
co-host of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, part of the network Brian and I are with, the Mm -hmm. Locked on Lakers podcast. He also covers the Grizzlies for the Memphis Commercial Appeal. And he's joining us right now to give us a rundown of the Grizzlies side of things with Game 3 tomorrow. DeMichael, how are you, man? What's going on, guys? How we doing? Doing well. Um, All right, so we got about, I don't know, 24 hours before... In Dylan yep. Brooks's mind, uh, <laughs> Brooks v. LeBron Part Three. Break break this down for people. Like, what is the Dylan Brooks experience like, as far as seeing it up close from the uh, teammates' yeah. perspective, the franchise perspective? What what makes this dude tick? It's a it's a thrill. Uh, to say the least, but but there's a lot to to uncover there. Uh, the first thing is none of this is fake as it pertains to Dylan Brooks. This is this is exactly who this guy is. I mean, it's who he's been all season. Uh, if you ask him about certain players, you know, he says these things. Of course, it's magnified because it's LeBron James. Uh, it's magnified when he says Steph Curry can't take him one on one as he's done. And, and and those type of guys. But he, he said the same thing about, you know, Zion Williamson, you know. He said the same thing about Laurie Marketing and and then the list goes on. This is just who he is. You know, he's this ultra competitive dude, uh, that that has a different, you know, uh fire to him on the court. You know, a lot of guys are locked in, right? They're quiet, they're locked in, they're in the moment. Dylan Brooks is is, is theater. You know, he's jumping around on the floor, he's in your face. Uh, when when he sees you react to him, now he knows he has you in his mind. That's what he thinks about LeBron. You know, uh, LeBron didn't respond to him in game one. Game two, LeBron didn't respond for two quarters. And then the third quarter, LeBron reacts to him, and he's clapping, and he, and he told us after the game, that's when I knew I had him. So that's kind of who he is. You know, his teammates love it. Yeah, they, they back him up. They say, hey, that's just Dylan being Dylan. But no one says Dylan should tone it down, you know, on the Grizzlies side. They they kind of, you know, call him the heart and soul of the team. You know, that's that's what the players say. He's the longest tenured Grizzlies player. And uh, he, he's a big part of the identity of this team. Uh, two, two things there. First of all, like, did he really have him? LeBron scored 28 on 50% from the floor, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> My other thing, though, is like, can we all at least agree that Dylan Brooks is giving himself an awfully long runway when he says a guy has to drop 40 on him before he respects him? Like, is should he set the bar a little bit higher than that? Like, 30? Like, if a guy drops 33 on him, that's not enough to get him to respect him? I, I feel like 40, you can do the theater and you can play the heel, but you got to put up a, a number that is a little bit more of a challenge than 40. Yeah, yeah, that means if you you, you score thirty nine on fifteen of fifteen shooting, you got to play better. Right. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, is he aware, by the way, that the stats with him guarding LeBron, like LeBron's kind of smoking him right now. He's shooting like fifty percent against him. And yeah, but this is how Dylan Brooks sees it. You know, uh, his his mind is a little bit different. You know, to say the least. Remember earlier this season, uh, the Grizzlies played the Lakers and. Uh, LeBron, I think, shot 8 of 21. Uh, it wasn't his greatest game, you know, especially in the month of January. I think it was uh, not LeBron's greatest game. And then after that game, you know, we were asking him about LeBron. He was like, oh, he can't go left. I'm sure you guys remember him saying that. But that, again, this is just who he is. He said, oh, LeBron can't go left and that whole thing. But that, was a, that wasn't a series. So he said that, and then we moved on. And that was that. But uh, 
just looking at it up close, you know, he doesn't do a bad job against LeBron, I don't think. I think where he kind of succeeds is he doesn't get bullied as much as some guys do, you know, when they go against LeBron. LeBron is just so strong and fast, like he can move guys out of the way with ease. Physicality is probably Dylan Brooks' favorite part of the game. I remember earlier in the season, just give you an example, uh, when D'Angelo Russell was saying Zion Williamson is out there playing football. You know, like we can't guard him. And I asked Dylan Brooks about that because the Grizzlies were playing the Pelicans the next day. And he was like, oh, well, I play football too. And he meant it. <laughs> like, uh, he, he meant it. He's one of those guys. He will let you know, I'm going to use all of my fouls, and, which is why I think this is the third, fourth year in a row when he's qualified, he's finished top ten in fouls per game. You know, LeBron – uh, said to him, you know, one of the things he said when they had the whole little thing in game two was his fourth foul was a dumb foul because he was bodying LeBron up and they were chest to chest and he committed his fourth foul. He had to go out of the game in the third quarter and LeBron told him he committed a dumb foul. But Dylan kind of prides himself on that physicality mm-hmm. standpoint. And I will say, just watching a series, I, I would say I'm still giving the edge to LeBron so far, just off what we've seen so far. Like, I still think LeBron has the edge, but I think what Dylan has done good is he's matching the physicality. Like, LeBron is, is making fadeaways and things like that. But he, has, he isn't, like, bully-balling him as much as we see LeBron, you know, pretty much do on the regular. So what about I, – I, a quick reminder just to people with Game 3 coming up on Saturday night. Uh, there are other players. Uh, <laughs> and you can hear the game right, right. You know, on It's ESPN not a one-on-one. It is not. Um, what's the status with Ja, and um, what's the difference, do you think, in terms of you know, what the Grizzlies are when he can go and when, they, when he can't? Because they do look like a little bit of a different team, in term, just in terms of especially offensively their style. Yeah, they're, they're a completely different team. I mean, it's 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 one of the the uh, easiest things for us to spot over the last couple of seasons. I mean, statistically speaking. But before I get to that job, uh, regarding his status, uh, they're still listing him as a game time decision, and uh, he's making some progress. As, as Taylor Jenkins told us today, his hand has you know improved a great bit. But there are still little things you know that he's still having to do that lead me to believe that it's going to be a tough. You know, going to be tough for him to to give it a go. You know, in Game Three, like for example, he's having trouble a little bit catching the ball. Well, that's a problem because I I said, which I said to Taylor Jenkins, uh, I think with I mean, you guys watch it all the time. Zando and Dennis Schroeder, they will pressure you 94 feet, and they're going to make you work to get the ball past half court. And that's kind of what they were doing in Game One with Ja and Matthias. And if Ja's right hand isn't, you know, great. Uh, he's going to be losing the ball a lot in those situations because those those guys, uh, Dennis and uh, Jared Vanderbilt, both do a really good job of pressuring 94 feet without fouling. So that could be a problem for Ja if he's having problems with something as simple as catching the ball. And because I would say, hey, just play him off the ball more. But when you're off the ball more, you got to catch the ball uh, more than he would if he had the ball in his hand. So I'm personally, I'm thinking, hey, you know, game four. Uh, give him a couple more days of rest, and you and you let him go game four. But the difference with the Grizzlies, with and without Jai, is simple. Uh, the ball moves more without Jai. In the simplest form, that's what it is. And how that reflects is when the ball moves more, more guys get to touch the ball, mm-hmm. which means more guys are in a rhythm, which means that their three-point shooting percentages are higher. Their, their assist numbers of the team is higher. Now, the downside is 
you know, that whole team ball, move the ball around thing, it works for – it works good for three quarters. Now, uh, what we saw, even in the win in game two, because this, you can literally predict this if you've been watching the Grizzlies for a while, because it happened in the Golden State Series last season, and the fourth quarter has been their worst quarter uh, statistically this season. When they get to the fourth quarter, uh, without Ja, you don't have that guy. You know, sure, Jaron in a way, but I think the Lakers did a good job of, of shifting Anthony Davis onto him in game two, and they kind of limited Jaron a little bit more than the 31-point game he had in game one. So now what we saw is the Grizzlies only made one field goal in the last, I think, five minutes of game two. It's just their defense held up on that end. So mm-hmm. the defense gets a little bit better without Ja. Uh, the passing is crisp. Through three quarters, that offense can really dice you up. But the fourth quarter, uh, they don't have, like, Tyus Jones isn't that guy that's going to go one-on-one and pick and roll and, and you know, get isolation matchups like a Ja can. Even though Ja statistically isn't having the greatest fourth quarter season, if you go back to last year, he probably would have won the fourth quarter uh, clutch player award like De'Aaron Fox did. So he still has it in him, and uh, that's probably the biggest difference uh, for me. He is DeMichael Cole. He covers the Grizzlies for the Memphis Commercial Appeal. Along with Joe Molinex, he is killing it with the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. If you want to get some insights throughout this series, definitely check them out, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Appreciate the time, DeMichael. Thank you, man. Appreciate you, guys. That's yeah, going to be interesting to see. If, they lose, if John didn't play again and they lose again, I'm, I, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know how to end. I'm not out. I mean, I'm obviously going to keep watching about I me mean, real mad yeah i'm gonna be real mad i'm gonna be upset yep that is going to be a very upsetting thing all right coming up next shift gears a little bit mookie bets shortstop mm. that gonna be a thing kamenetsky brothers in for the guys espn la this song the opening the train spotting mm-hmm. it's the best opening to any movie ever yeah it's really good it's like the best opening 10 minutes of any movie it's absolutely incredible it is a lakers playoff friday on 710 espn getting you pumped for what's on tap for tomorrow's night's game lakers versus grizzlies presented by Michelob ultra a refreshing and balanced flavor with only 2.6 carbs 95 calories Michelob ultra it's only worth it if you enjoy it please enjoy responsibly do we have demichael demichael cole co-host of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, part of the network Brian and I are with, the mm-hmm. Locked on Lakers podcast. He also covers the Grizzlies for the Memphis Commercial Appeal, and he's joining us right now to give us a rundown of the Grizzlies side of things with Game 3 tomorrow. DeMichael, how are you, man? What's going on, guys? How we doing? Doing well. Um, all right, so we got about, I don't know, 24 hours before – in Dylan yep. Brooks's mind, uh, <laughs> Brooks v. LeBron Part Three. Break break this down for people. Like, what is the Dylan Brooks experience like, as far as seeing it up close from the uh, teammates' yeah. perspective, the franchise perspective? What what makes this dude tick? It's a it's a thrill. Uh, to say the least, but but there's a lot to to uncover there. Uh, the first thing is none of this is fake as it pertains to Dylan Brooks. This is this is exactly who this guy is. I mean, it's who he's been all season. Uh, if you ask him about certain players, you know, he says these things. Of course, it's magnified because it's LeBron James. Uh, it's magnified when he says Steph Curry can't take him one-on-one, as he's done. 
and 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 those type of guys. But he he said the same thing about you know Zion Williamson. You know, he said the same thing about Laurie Marketing, and and then the list goes on. This is just who he is. You know, he's this ultra competitive dude uh, that that has a different you know uh, fire to him on the court. You know, a lot of guys are locked in, right? They're quiet. They're locked in. They're in the moment. Dylan Brooks is 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 theater. You know, he's jumping around on the floor. He's in your face. Uh, when when he sees you react to him, now he knows he has you in his mind. That's what he thinks about LeBron. You know, uh, LeBron didn't respond to him in game one. Game two, LeBron didn't respond for two quarters. And then the third quarter, LeBron reacts to him, and he's clapping, and he, and he told us after the game, that's when I knew I had him. So that's kind of who he is. You know, his teammates love it. Yeah, they they back him up. They say, hey, that's just Dylan being Dylan. But no one says Dylan should tone it down, you know, on the Grizzlies side. They they kind of, you know, call him the heart and soul of the team. You know, that's that's what the players say. He's the longest tenured Grizzlies player and uh he he's a big part of the identity of this team. Uh, two two things there. First of all, like did he really have him? LeBron scored twenty eight on fifty percent from the floor, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> My other thing though is like can we all at least agree that Dylan Brooks is giving himself an awfully long runway when he says a guy has to drop 40 on him before he respects him? Like, is it, should he set the bar a little bit higher than that? Like, 30? Like, if a guy drops 33 on him, that's not enough to get him to respect him? I, I feel like 40, you can do the theater and you can play the heel, but you got to put up a, a number that is a little bit more of a challenge than 40. Yeah, yeah, that means if you you, you score thirty nine on fifteen of fifteen shooting, you got to play better. Right, so, uh, exactly. I mean, like, is he aware, by the way, that the stats with him guarding LeBron, like LeBron's kind of smoking him right now. He's shooting like fifty percent against him. And yeah, but this is how Dylan Brooks sees it. You know, uh, his his mind is a little bit different. You know, to say the least. Remember earlier this season, uh, the Grizzlies played the Lakers and. Uh, LeBron, I think, shot 8 of 21. Uh, it wasn't his greatest game, you know, especially in the month of January. I think it was uh, not LeBron's greatest game. And then after that game, you know, we were asking him about LeBron. He was like, oh, he can't go left. I'm sure you guys remember him saying that. But that, again, this is just who he is. He said, oh, LeBron can't go left and that whole thing. But that wasn't, that wasn't a series. So he said that, and then we moved on. And that was that. But uh, just looking at it up close, you know, he doesn't do – a bad job against LeBron, I don't think. I think where he kind of succeeds is he doesn't get bullied as much as some guys do, you know, when they go against LeBron. LeBron is just so strong and fast, like he can move guys out of the way with ease. Physicality is probably Dylan Brooks' favorite part of the game. I remember earlier in the season, just give you an example, uh, when D'Angelo Russell was saying Zion Williamson is out there playing football, you know, like we can't guard him. And I asked Dylan Brooks about that because the Grizzlies were playing the Pelicans the next day. And he was like, oh, well, I play football too. And he meant it. <laughs> like, uh, he, he meant it. He's one of those guys. He will let you know, I'm going to use all of my fouls, and, which is why I think this is the third, fourth year in a row when he's qualified, he's finished top ten in fouls per game. You know, LeBron uh, said to him, you know, one of the things he said when they had the whole little thing in game two, was his fourth foul was a dumb foul because he was bodying LeBron up and they were chest to chest and he committed his fourth foul. He had to go out of the game in the third quarter and LeBron told him he committed a dumb foul. But Dylan kind of prides himself on that physicality Mm -hmm. standpoint. And I will say, 
just watching a series, I, I would say I'm still giving the edge to LeBron so far, just off what we've seen so far. Like, I still think LeBron has the edge, but I think what Dylan has done good is he's matching the physicality. Like, LeBron is, is making fadeaways and things like that. But he, has, he isn't, like, bully balling him as much as we see LeBron, you know, pretty much do on the regular. So what about I, – I, a quick reminder just to people with Game 3 coming up on Saturday night. Uh, there are other players. Uh, and you can hear the game right, right. You know, on it's ESPN. It's not a one-on-one. One. It is not. Um, what's the status with Ja, and um, what's the difference, do you think, in terms of you know what the Grizzlies are when he can go and when they when he can't? Because – they do look like a little bit of a different team in terms, just in terms of, especially offensively, their style. Yeah, they're they're a completely different team. I mean, it's 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 one of the the uh, easiest things for us to spot over the last couple of seasons. I mean, statistically speaking. But before I get to that job, uh, regarding his status, uh, we're still listing him as a game time decision, and uh, he's making some progress. As, as Taylor Jenkins told us today, his hand has you know improved a great bit. But there are still little things, you know, that he's still having to do that lead me to believe that it's going to be a tough, you know, going to be tough for him to to give it a go, you know, in game three. Like, for example, he's having trouble a little bit catching the ball. Well, that's a problem because I I said, which I said to Taylor Jenkins, uh, I think with, I mean, you guys watch it all the time, Zando and Dennis Schroeder, they will pressure you 94 feet, and they're going to make you work to get the ball past half court. And that's kind of what they were doing in game one with Ja and Matthias. And if Jaw's right hand isn't, you know, great, uh, he's going to be losing the ball a lot in those situations because those those guys, uh, Dennis and uh, Jared Vanderbilt, both do a really good job of pressuring 94 feet without fouling. So that could be a problem for Ja if he's having problems with something as simple as catching the ball. And because I would say, hey, just play him off the ball more. But when you're off the ball more, you got to catch the ball uh, more than he would if he has the ball in his hand. So. I'm personally, I'm thinking, hey, you know, game four, uh, give him a couple more days of rest, and you and you let him go game four. But the difference with the Grizzlies, with and without Jai, is simple. Uh, the ball moves more without Jai. In the simplest form, that's what it is. And how that reflects is when the ball moves more, more guys get to touch the ball, mm-hmm. which means more guys are in a rhythm, which means that there's three-point shooting percentages are higher. Their assist numbers as a team is higher. Now, the downside is, you know, that whole team ball, move the ball around thing, it works for it works good for three quarters. Now, uh, what we saw, even in the win in game two, because this, you can literally predict this if you've been watching the Grizzlies for a while, because it happened in the Golden State Series last season, and the fourth quarter has been their worst quarter uh, statistically this season. When they get to the fourth quarter, uh, without Ja, you don't have that guy. You know, sure, Jaron in a way, but I think the Lakers did a good job of of shifting Anthony Davis onto him in game two, and they kind of limited Jaron a little bit more than the 31-point game he had in game one. So now what we saw is the Grizzlies only made one field goal in the last, I think, five minutes of game two. It's just their defense held up on that end. So -hmm. the defense gets a little bit better without Ja. Uh, The passing is crisp. Through three quarters, that offense can really dice you up. But the fourth quarter – uh, they don't have, like, Tyus Jones isn't that guy that's going to go one-on-one and pick and roll and, and you know, get isolation matchups like a Ja can. Even though Ja statistically isn't having the greatest fourth-quarter season, if you go back to last year, he probably would have won the fourth-quarter uh, clutch player award like the Aaron Fox did. So he still has it in him, and uh, that's 
probably the biggest difference uh, for me. He is DeMichael Cole. He covers the Grizzlies for the Memphis Commercial Appeal. Along with Joe Molinex, he is killing it with the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. If you want to get some insights throughout this series, definitely check them out, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Appreciate the time, DeMichael. Thank you, man. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, it's going to be... It's gonna be interesting to see if they lose. If John didn't play again and they lose again, I'm. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not out. I mean, I'm obviously gonna keep watching. But I'm gonna be real mad. Yeah, I'm gonna be real mad. I'm gonna be upset. Yep, that is going to be a very upsetting thing. All right, coming up next, shift gears a little bit. Mookie Betts shortstop. Mm. That gonna be a thing. Kamenetsky brothers in for the guys. ESPN LA.